Hello and welcome. Anyone who's been to Merchant City Yoga on a Sunday knows how much I love catching up with everyone over a cup of my freshly brewed spiced chai. These Sunday chai sessions really bring everyone together. A true celebration of friendship, community and connection. I want to try and capture some of that magic and share it with you at home. So I've invited some familiar faces from our MCY family to chat with me over a cuppa. I'm affectionately calling them the chai sessions. Pop the kettle on, get yourself comfy and come and join us. Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for joining me today in Chai oh. Session. Now, I know for a fact that you have yours there too. Cheers. So before we get started, uh, just a little bit about you, just for anyone watching or listening that maybe hasn't met you yet. So um, Tony comes and teaches on our yoga teacher training program here at Merchant City Yoga as part of the CYS yoga teacher training. So he's been doing that for about 10 years and coming to Glasgow since 2015. But that's not all there is uh, to Tony. So he's a teacher, meditation, mantra, the energetic, the yogic body, which is what he comes and shares with us along with mantra. Um, he also teaches music. He's a therapist, both in terms of sound therapist, massage therapist. Hell, he's even an astrologer and a voluntary chaplain at Strathclyde University. And most recently, um, he's uh, started a business, a not-for-profit, called Good Vibrations. And they are doing amazing work, um, helping people learn through music and also helping them find some relaxation through music and sound and meditation and working with organisations like the charities um, Men Matter Scotland and Mentor Scotland and also looking to start to work in the recovery cafes that run here in Glasgow as well. So lots of amazing work. Um, I asked Tony to send through a, a biog uh, just before uh, we started here just to, to make sure I was I was picking everything up and while I kind of knew most of it, there was a couple of things that surprised me, Tony. So I think way back in the midst of time, I knew that you'd been to Oxford um, to study biology. But what I had appreciated was, first of all, that you were there on a scholarship, which is amazing. And also that I'm, I'm looking down here so that I can read this to make sure I get it right, that you were a PA to Stephen Sondheim for a year on a musical theatre course that was sponsored by the one and only Cameron McIntosh. How did that happen? <laughs> well, but before we get to the yoga stuff. <laughs> well, while I was at um, university there at Oxford, um, I was studying biology, but I had written two and produced two musicals um, at my college there. And uh, they so they knew I had this interest in music theatre and I'd gone over to Broadway in two of my holidays from uni to um, see some of Sondheim's works because I was a real fan of his. And um, in the end of the third year, the master's secretary invited me into her office and she said, look, Cameron McIntosh is um, sponsoring a course here 
um, and we've got this guy called Stephen Sondheim who's coming over to teach it. And she said, we, we're a bit stuck for a PA and wondered if we could employ you to be Stephen Sondheim's PA for a year. Oh, and let you said, let me think about that. Or <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, twist my arm, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mm, let me check my diary. <laughs> How amazing. Yeah, and I just graduated. You know, I was just coming up to graduate. So all my things were finished and you know they were paying me a good amount per hour giving me a free accommodation giving me full access to I had to organize all the master classes but I was also sitting in on them because I had to record them and you know help the students I we had to visit Cameron McIntosh's house in Russell Square in London the the pile on the carpet was that deep <laughs> and we saw all of Cameron McIntosh's shows in London and we saw uh, Sunday in the Park with George from first auditions through to premiere performance as part of the workshop of musicals. Which does beg the question Tony why you're now teaching with me on the yoga teacher training rather than in Hollywood but we'll maybe save that conversation for another day. <laughs> Um, so, like I mentioned, uh, you come and join us uh, for a session on the teacher training all around what's kind of variously known as the yogic body or the sub subtle body or the energetic body. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I've, I'm kind of got, I'm kind of torn between whether I think these more, what might be seen as traditional and esoteric systems of yoga are getting a little bit left behind in the, the sort of modern age of yoga but that's not quite the whole story either because sometimes I do think that when people do embrace these teachings sometimes it's almost at the detriment of some of the really good stuff that has come out of practicing yoga in the modern age as well. What are your thoughts around that? Do you, do you think it's kind of maybe getting a little bit forgotten about or a little bit left behind? Um, what are, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things to mention there. Um, one is that what people think of as being esoteric, um, you know, during the course, I try and explain it's a lot more sort of down to earth and practical than people might realize, like all the elements associated with the chakras is all to do with the function functions of the body and the nervous system. And I think, you know, one thing that, that the course is really good at doing as a whole is, is integrating lots of different aspects of yoga and making it understandable for people. Um, you know, I, I always remember you were, um, you know, Judy No Ohm, <laughs> you you wanted to do yoga with no ohms <laughs> and now you know you really enjoy mantra and sound and you've realized you know that the power of um you know using these different things and integrating them in in one's practice um and uh, i think that's a really nice thing about the course is that you can sort of introduce yoga as a physical exercise but then you sort of add on these other layers, you add on the philosophy from the yogic scripts, you know, from 
the the Vedas and Upanishads of the you know different people that come in people that kind of teach energy work people that teach you know meditation and breath work and it just it's really nice and holistic and it it's not too out there <laughs> and it's not too just a physical exercise and I, I think that's good because yoga as a as a philosophy and a practice is something that takes you from the physical to the metaphysical in a very kind of gentle and slow process and we kind of give a little bit of a roadmap I think on on the on the course to sort of look at well this is where we're starting it's all very practical but there are other layers that you can add on and so when we start to talk about mantras um that are connected with the body um, we, you know we draw on a very old system where you know yogis thousands of years ago they meditated and they went inside their body and they felt certain vibrations the they felt 50 vibrations along the spinal cord that they that then became the 50 letters of the sanskrit alphabet so when you chant a mantra you're putting together like different sounds that come out of your body that that kind of represent a harmonic vibration of good health and good functioning of that part of the body and that aspect of your being and as you chant a mantra it's it's like you're embodying a quality it's like a a very strong way of manifesting and realizing qualities that are within you as well as connecting with certain certain archetypes um what we do in the course when we explain the different um kind of things about the energy body for instance you know we're we're looking at the layers of not just the physical but the mental um the emotional um the intellectual and the more subtle you know um energy body um that you know we're all aware of you just need to look at ready breck advert to know that people know <laughs> that you've got an aura you know <laughs> yeah tony i think you might be giving our age away there the fact that we both know and I reference the Ready Break advert as well for different reasons. And, and more and more every year, people are just like, you know, I'm not <laughs> so sure about not, not so sure about that reference. I mean, going back to what you were saying there, though, um, although maybe I wouldn't be first in line for um, some of these classes, for me, it's particularly on the training course, but even just as a, a practitioner and teacher, it's about exploring and acknowledging the breadth of the teachings that that this thing called yoga encompasses but also recognizing some very long-held teachings and systems and traditions I mean I recently did a, a history of yoga course and one of the the modules there was um, looking at the Tantra tradition and the Tantra systems. And I hadn't really appreciated that that the thinking seems to be that that's where um, a lot of the energetic, subtle body thinking has its roots. And and even as early as, I think, the 6th century, there's a Tantric text that references the channels and what we might think of as the energetic and subtle body. So it goes back a very, very long way um, as well and I think it's on all of us now as modern practitioners and modern teachers to recognize that history and and um, that what would I say the the, the kind of far-reaching um, teachings as well but yeah maybe, 
I yeah. mean, when when um when I was um living in a yoga center, I I took myself through a nine month practice of Kundalini Tantra, where um when you look at the the depths of what's behind the yogic tradition and the energetics of it, you know, it's very similar to what you get in the Far East, you know, with the microcosmic, macrocosmic orbits, that kind of internal meditation where you're working on energy flow in your body and visualization. And, you know, they're all very similar. And, you know, a lot of work that I did just on, on my own, you know, as part of my own practice over nine months, it was like, you know, it helped me a lot in the the kind of things that I teach today on the course. It gave me a lot of insight. Yeah. So maybe if we kind of rewind a little bit, I mean, what is the yogic body or the subtle body, um, the energetic body, how would you describe it for someone who's maybe not so familiar? Okay, so there's 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 lots of different levels to this, um, you know, and there's there's kind of different systems and different ways we can explain it. But um, if we think of a very, there's a very simple one that we can perhaps start with, and that's the the idea of the koshas. The, the sheaths that we live within. So we've got the body of food that makes up our body, which is called Anamaya Kosha. Then we've got the energy body, which is like the, uh, the life force that flows through us, um, which we call the Pranamaya Kosha, which you can kind of imagine as like Russian dolls, one within the other, you know. Um, and then Next, you've got the, the what you might call the mental or feeling body, the mana maya kosha. Manas in Sanskrit literally means thoughts of the heart. So it's very much connected with our daily thinking and it daily what we would call in the West, perhaps our emotional self, you know. Um, and then we've got the vijnana maya kosha, which is the body of discrimination, of intellectual thought, of the fact that we're able to make choices and discriminate and know right from wrong and have a conscience, um, our ability to understand truth and inquire, you know, uh, into philosophy. That's our kind of vijnana maya kosha. And then ananda maya kosha, which is the body of bliss, which is when we enter very deep meditation, when we have really transcendental experiences, we're kind of transported into, and uh, perhaps quite a few of your students will know this and yourself, that, you know, you have those meditations where you just go into a flow and you just feel, you know, completely amazing. You know, you just go into this, this, this state of flow. I, I think everyone's had it at some point in their life doing something they love or being engaged in a creative process. And um, this is, if you like, the outermost body, and it's the closest to our essential self. But it's not what we aim for. We don't aim for that bliss. A bit like the Buddha said, you know, if you're aiming for bliss, you've kind of lost it. The idea is to be present. And so then we kind of expand out of that and we say, well, who is the person experiencing all of these different layers? And that is the I, the I am, the I am that. That is the self the witness, the observer, we're experiencing all of these layers. We are not these layers. And then we turn it 180 degrees around and we say, well, actually, we are the self that perceives all of these layers. And then that, that's kind of the Atman, which connects us to the Paramatman, which is the, the self, which is connected with the universal self in the way that, you know, a drop of water is connected to the ocean. 
So, you know, we are the drop, but when we expand out our awareness, we realize that we're also part of that ocean. Yeah, it makes so much sense when you explain it like that, because I mean, it really, it really is just another lens or framework, isn't it, to, to begin to explore and understand our experience and like this kind of human existence really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I like the way and someone once explained to me that, you know, the different paths that people take in life, the, the different belief systems um, are like paths climbing up a mountain. And, you know, these different paths, when we're halfway up the mountain, we look out and it looks different to the person climbing another path on the other side of the mountain. But as we get higher up, we see more of the view and then we realize, oh, it's all just one mountain, you know, and with different views. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, this kind of whole way of looking at things is totally compatible with any worldview. You know, it's compatible with, like, it doesn't matter what your religion is, you can still get it and understand it, you know? Mm -hmm. So how do you think, like, you know, the yoga postures that we practice and some of the other techniques that we practice, how can they influence this energetic or yogic body? So and I, I suppose we could ask that the other way around as well, couldn't we? How, how does the subtle body influence the postures we practice and the other techniques that we practice too? Well, if you consider the meaning of the word yoga, you know, it means union. And people often think of yoga as just being a physical exercise. But if you like, it's, it's a matter of becoming at one with yourself. Yeah, that's what yoga is. So a yoga class could be going along and lying down and doing a savasana, um, a deep relaxation. A yoga yeah, that would be a really good yoga class. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it could be going along and meditating for half an hour. Yeah, but the whole way that the yogic system is set up is to take you on a step-by-step -step path on a journey to that finding that union with yourself, that oneness, that wholeness. And so it starts off with the physical side. And then we realize that when we're holding postures, our spine is aligned in a certain way, energy flows in a certain way. And within any yoga posture, you're normally activating at least two of what we call chakras or which are kind of connected with the um, nerve plexuses in the spine. Uh, that's kind of what is equivalent to what we call chakras. It's kind of a, a physical place as well. And we can focus on certain qualities of those chakras, um, if you like, qualities of our nervous system related to that part. Um, so if you think about the lower part of the body, you know, those chakras are connected with letting go. And that's not only on a physical level, but also on an energetic level. It's also about emotionally being able to let go. So someone, you know, for instance, we might say someone who's constipated has problems in letting go. And that can also mean that that's come out of an emotional not able to let go or process some things and let go. So, you know, a little bit like Louise Hay, how different parts of the body can kind of represent different qualities. So that's exactly the same thing in yoga. And so as you go along, you realize, OK, so I can do a posture, but I can also do a breath. I can do a visualization. I can also focus on certain parts of my body and I can chant the mantras for those parts of the body. 
that help me focus and really concentrate the pose and hold it for longer, which gives me more benefits. Yoga is designed so that after you've done a full yoga practice, the body is ideally prepared to do some meditation. So after the breath work as well, which is connected with the mind and balancing the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, which they call Ida and Pingala or the sun and moon uh, um, you know, um, channels in the body. Um, once you've balanced all of that with your yoga practice and your breath work, you then sit down in meditation and you go into a deeper state of union. So yoga is telling you the path. And then there's the yamas and the niyamas. There's things to practice um, and things not to practice that help us live a good lifestyle. So, you know, you've got all these chunks, which is a whole kind of social framework of existence, which I just find fascinating. You know, that the, the whole culture of yoga is actually about this whole way of living your life so that you know you are non-violent so that you live in harmony with society and in harmony with yourself and it's so much greater than just a physical yoga practice yeah that extends well beyond the, the sticky yoga mat doesn't it <laughs> yeah yeah and i think as well you know just listening to you you talk there what you're saying we can take on a number of different levels because you know, it may be, you know, you're talking about blockages and, and not being able to express yourself or whatever. We can take that literally, but but also that doesn't need to be taken quite so literally. It can be used as possibly even a, a metaphor just for further exploration. Um, so like, like the sense of oneness and union, do you mean, yeah? Yeah. So I was going to ask, Tony, because you do come and teach on, on our yoga teacher training programme, why do you think it's so important that we explore these topics, that we cover these topics in the setting of a modern yoga teacher training programme? Well, um, if you think about a lot of the kind of young fitness experts that have got their Instagram pages up and are putting up a, you know, a different posture or technique every day um quite often you find that it's a very physically based process a very physically based um practice um and if you look out into life you know not everyone has got the perfect body to practice yoga not everyone is in a perfect state of health to you know do some of the yoga practices in, on a physical level I might feel really discouraged you know by seeing someone who's super fit and amazing and really you know looks looks the real deal and is doing all this amazing postures um, and I think this course kind of allows you to be anyone and to approach yoga it there is some physical work with it but it is kind of you can adapt that if your body kind of has certain problems and it, it looks at yoga from a larger point of view that yoga is about union. It's about looking at this process of allowing the, the energy in the body to flow so that you can be at one with yourself, so that you can find inner peace and you can learn to meditate. You can learn to relax. You can learn to have a, a life that's more in harmony with the world around you. And you can find peace with the people in your life. So it's a lot more than, you know, it's a lot broader than just a physical practice. And I know that you do, you know, on the course, you do give a really firm 
physical practice that reflects the training that all of you guys have, have had, which is amazing. But you also don't neglect the higher aspects and you bring those in. So it, there's kind of something for everybody um, and it, it develops it, it. It makes it a lot more integrated than I think uh, I've seen other courses. Yeah. You maybe talk a little bit about where your work with sound um, ties into that. Um, so all my life I've been a musician, um, a pianist, a singer-songwriter, um, and I, I started learning meditation when I was 17 in London um, at School of Economic Science, and I went to do a, a course about Plato and meditation um, and looking at the mind. And <clears throat> I've just always been fascinated by mantra. I've had lots of different gurus through the years, you know, several different kind of teachers and, and people that taught me things about sound. And um, I guess I've sort of combined my inherent kind of feeling for music with, you know, this knowledge of sound. And I've developed, you know, my own kind of way of doing a sound journey for people using different instruments, using my voice and using mantras. Um, I've also kind of in another way, I kind of teach mantra meditation and I do kirtan sessions, you know, helping people to sing and discover the, the power of mantra through those sessions. Um, so I, I work with sound in a lot of different ways, just as a purely physical tool with the, the, the kind of crystal bowls and the Zen bowls and uh, the shamanic drum and the flutes and music. And then, you know, I work with it in a, in a bit more of a yogic way with mantras. I don't just use Sanskrit mantras. I use Buddhist mantras, Christian mantras, you know, and I kind of feel that sound is a very broad field and vibration, you know, and it's it's not limited like religion, religion can be. You know, there's a there's a great diversity out there that you can call upon to use in, in such a practice. Yeah, and what do you think it is about the practice of sound and music that makes us so effective in, for example, the work you're now doing with your not-for-profit, um, you know, going out into the community and working with these organisations and people. What is it about sound and music and mantra that is so particularly effective? Well, so um, yesterday at Men Matter Scotland, we went in and um, we, we do a, a singing class and we do um, piano, beginner's guitar, and songwriting and yesterday just in the singing class there was about six people there and we were singing let it be and imagine and you know hallelujah and they were they were singing and they the one of the guys said this is so healing for me he said just being able to sing and express myself you know he said I'm feeling a lot better than when I came in and it's it's just that simple you know just giving people a voice and I would get people to sing a couple of lines on their own. So everyone else was hearing them and then they were singing bits together. And I think people don't feel heard enough. People don't feel listened enough in today's society. And just that process of listening is, is a healing act where you stand there and you say, I am seen, I am heard. And someone else says, I see you, I hear you, you know, um, and in the songwriting classes, uh, one of the guys, he was writing a song about his brother who who died, uh, you know, from uh, some unfortunate pr pr thing that happened. And 
you know, it was a very healing journey for him to begin to write that. And when he wrote it, he said, I've never told anyone about how I feel about my brother dying and the, my relationship with my other brother. And I've been able to access some of those feelings just by writing this song, you know. Um, so sound is so powerful to, you know, as a form of expression. And, you know, we might put aside, you know, think, oh, it's just music class, you know, but actually it's much more than that. Just like yoga is not just a physical practice as you do it. There's so much emotional processing that goes on. There's so much letting go. And the two, you know, yoga and sound work really to well together because, you know, you can bring sound into yoga and really amplify, you know, what, what happens within it in the same way that, you know, we're using sound in the music classes to help people with their personal development. And then some of the guys have also come into the sound baths that we do there and they just lie down. They do a little bit of meditation at the start, making some tones and then they lie down. And honestly, more than half of them have said they've never felt that relaxed and they've never felt that calm afterwards. And quite a few of them say, um, like one last week, he said that, um, you know, Jesus appeared to him while he was in the sound bath. And then yeah. another one was say he's a does Reiki and he said his hands were on fire after the sound bath and for like two weeks his Reiki sessions were amazing because the sound had sort of opened some channels in him and so you know we really don't access the power of sound in our daily life enough I think so that's why these sessions are so important. God, it's so so brilliant that you're able to get out there and and do that work and hey God. I got I came out in a bit of a cold sweat there when you were saying you got everybody to sing a couple of lines on their own. I think that might be my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> feel a little bit awkward about that. Well, people but, that didn't people that didn't feel confident to sing <laughs> their own, I they just joined in with the chorus or I sang with them. So they didn't have to, but they were often you, you didn't make them do it before they no. got to sing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's it's so fantastic and I just feel that we're so we're so fortunate to be able to to offer all of this stuff to people, aren't we? And um, you know, that your your person there that just said about they just felt a little bit better when they finished than than when they came in. Gosh, if that's all we do, that would change the world. That changes the world, doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah. I think that's a really good place to leave it, Tony. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. I will see you again soon. Okay, thank you, Judy. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our chat. If you've got any questions, you can email me or find us on social media. I'll see you here next time.